0: Good evening and welcome to this edition of V e! Radio. If this is your first time tuning in, you can check out my archives with more shows like this one. I've interviewed uh, documentary filmmakers, politicians, scientists, uh, political activists, and I've had a lot of interesting roundtable discussions with people from all over the world about events, Um I began personally getting involved in independent media back in 2008. I was initially part of the Ron Paul revolution. Um, I moved on to work for Senator Mike Gravel, uh, who was kind of my political mentor. I've had um, a lot of energy invested into basically bringing truth. So I am personally a left-leaning independent, but I have guests on all the time who do not necessarily agree with me about everything. I had, for example, several candidates for Uh, The the Libertarian nomination recently, I've had Green Party candidates on. I've had Socialist Party candidates on. So um, I can't promise that you'll always agree with everything that I say, but my major focus right now, one of the major things that led me to decide to get back onto uh, my podcast and on my YouTube channel, because I had taken a break for a while, was the, the levels of fanatical groupthink that are going on, where people have just basically become so solidified in what their side is their team you know their cult honestly you know uh, the analogy that comes to my mind is like that moment in the matrix where you're taking the red or the blue pill but what I'm noticing is that it seems like the red and the blue pill both take you into just separate matrices with separate realities and you know that the person who's really outside of the matrix doesn't take either of those pills and that's why I use the artwork that I think is kind of bold, but you know it's the character V from B for Vendetta holding up a severed um, elephant and um, donkey head to represent the Republican and the don- yeah, and the Democratic parties because I feel that our two party system and the left and right paradigm in general is destroying our country. Um, I can get into more of that in different episodes of the blog um, and blog talk podcast. Uh, If you look at the description of this show, you will find various links, including to um, the website for my guest tonight. Uh, My personal YouTube channel is where I'm planning to direct most of my attention. Um, I will still be doing primarily audio podcasts. I did do a recent uh, documentary about Kyle Rittenhouse and the incident that took place in Kenosha. You'll have to bear with me. My video editing skills are not up to par in comparison to my ability to put together good audio content. But I was just very frustrated discussing the issue with people because there were so many pieces of information out there that were not being put together cohesively. And so I'm not making any money on that documentary, nor do I intend to. I do have a Patreon and I did set up a subscribestar, star, but I'm not really going to be pushing that very hard. My main motive was just that I was sick of people lying about it. Uh, and, you know, I have been pretty hard on the left lately because, I mean, just to be brutally honest, the left has been the one that's been needing the attention lately. Um, the Kyle Rittenhouse incident, uh, I went into it with an open mind, but I did, you know, initially kind of believe, all oh, great. Here we go. We got another, you know, crazed shooter was what I guessed going into it. But once I were, you know, really carefully reviewed, information. It was very clear to me that that is not what took place. And I have the link to my documentary in the description for this podcast. And, um, you know, please do me a favor and share it because I've recently got hit with the uh, age restriction. I mean, mind you, it's not an unreasonable thing to do. There is a lot of graphic footage in my video, but it also means that it's going to be harder for people to find it. So I also uploaded it to BitChute and I uploaded it to Rumble. So just please share it far and wide, because uh, the Google algorithm, the Facebook algorithms are going to do their best to kind of keep anything that's, you know, not going along with the left narrative as, you know, held back as possible. Um, So anyway, with all of that said, I'm going to introduce you to my guest. His name is Lynn Wood. He's an attorney uh, working for the defense of Kyle Rittenhouse, and he's also the founder of the um, Fight Back organization. Uh, Mr. Wood, welcome to my show. Thank you very much for having me. Mr. Wood, my first question for all of my guests who are involved in activism in some way is, what was the precipice moment for you? What was the moment that made you decide to go from just being a casual observer of politics and the things going on in the world to being somebody who decided that you wanted to actually get involved, get your hands dirty and make things better?
1: Well, probably in 1977 when I started practicing law, uh, I'm an activist, but I would describe myself as an activist for my clients. For the first 22 years of my law practice, I was, uh, and have always been a trial lawyer, but I had focused on medical negligence cases for the victims. And that was essentially uh, a David versus Goliath type case because the law was in favor of the doctors. The doctors had... Most of the appeal with the jury. So you're always uh, looking at the tough case to win, even when your client was right. In 1996, my law career shifted when I became the lead lawyer for Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell was falsely accused of bombing Centennial Olympic Park in Atlanta. And I represented Richard for 16 years, uh, five years after his untimely death at age 44. Uh, Shortly after I took on the Richard Jewell representation, I was retained by uh, John and Patsy Ramsey and their son Burke, and I represented John and Patsy and Burke uh, for 22 years. So uh, I don't I don't give up easy when I'm advocating uh, for my clients. Uh, that area brought me into uh, First Amendment litigation, so that my focus, at least in the last. I guess now 24 years, has been on uh, defamation cases where I try to represent people whose reputations have been falsely impugned. Uh, and reputation, I always think, is uh, being one of the most, if not the most important thing that a person has. It's the sum total in your life, how you've conducted yourself, what you believe in. And when you're falsely accused and your reputation is damaged, It's not something that you really ever recover from. Uh, Because of the representations that I've had, I found myself over the last several years getting involved with some political uh, clients. I represented Herman Cain when he was falsely accused in connection with some anonymous uh, charges of uh, sexual harassment. Uh, I represented former Congressman Gary Condit uh, when he was falsely accused. Uh, in the media of being involved in the death of Chandra Levy. And then I uh, found myself uh, thinking about semi-retirement to write and focus on a more limited practice, and that was going to be for Kyle, not for Kyle, excuse me, but for Nicholas Sandman. Uh, Nicholas was a young man who, in January of 2019, was confronted by an activist, caught up in what I think was a planned uh, event to try to get a, Uh, a a viral moment that they could use for their own propaganda at the time. And I have a lot of cases uh, still pending for uh, Nicholas. I've pretty much taken on the entire mainstream media. So far we have settled defamation cases against CNN and Washington Post. I still have pending for Nicholas cases against CBS, ABC, NBC, Rolling Stone, uh, Gannett newspapers, and the New York Times. Uh, And soon in the near future we'll be suing Twitter And now all of a sudden I find myself representing another young boy Nicholas was 16 at the time he was falsely accused Now I'm representing a 17-year-old young man who was also falsely accused This time both criminally uh, and now obviously in a defamation type of manner Where everybody is falsely branding this young man as being a white supremacist Uh, a member of a militia that went to Kenosha to to do harm and to hurt people. And it's just an absolute, blatant lie. The public has been led to believe certain things with respect to Kyle, as they have with my other clients, not so much based on what the public sees, but what they don't see. There's a vacuum that's intentionally created so that the people that have an agenda go out and label someone like Kyle Rittenhouse, without the public knowing the facts. We have seem to have lost confidence in each other to listen to the facts and learn the facts and draw our own conclusions. Uh, our society has degenerated into a situation where without telling people the facts, we just make accusations and brand people in a manner that's consistent with someone's or some group's agenda. So that's what got me into this area of the law. And I would, again, say I'm not a political activist. I do support uh, President Trump. I was a a lukewarm supporter of his in uh, 2016. Uh, I was not a fan of Hillary Clinton. And I think the reasons I was not a fan of Hillary Clinton have evolved over the years, and I've proved myself right about that one. Other times I've made choices with respect to my vote, and I didn't prove myself right. Uh, But I am a strong supporter of the president, and I think he's doing God's will for this country He's the first politician I've ever seen that actually said I'm going to do X, uh, Y, and Z, and he does it. He's done exactly what he promised us we would do, and very few politicians that I'm aware of in my era uh, have lived up to their commitments in that fashion. So I guess that sums up my activism, a little bit politician, I guess, lately, but uh, more just an activist for my clients in the law. The truth is my greatest uh, goal in life. I try to pursue it aggressively to achieve justice so I'm a big fan of the Constitution I think our Constitution is under attack it's in jeopardy and uh, I guess now if I wanted to uh, put myself into a corner and say what am I an activist for I would say I'm an activist for truth and I'm an activist for the United States Constitution and our individual uh, freedoms and our rights
0: I would say that um that's definitely an excellent introduction Uh, to your work and what you do. And I think particularly in this crazy uh, cancel culture that we live in, uh, where people punish people for their political beliefs by trying to attack them, you know, you spoke about the reputation, they try to get them fired from jobs, they try to prevent them from being hired to new jobs. Uh, That, you know, that's their weapon. And honestly, you know, the the, I bring myself into opposition with some of my longtime listeners because most of them are left-leaning. But what I discovered about this whole situation that bothered me, you know, kind of as I, I led on earlier when I was introducing myself, is that people are not really thinking this is about an us versus them. This is this person's on my team, so they must be automatically right. That person's not on me, my team, so they must be automatically wrong. You know, I, you know, what got me started on it was, for example, the, the various, um, what, it, what do they call them, like tributes or memorials to the people that Mr. Rittenhouse, you know, ended up having to shoot to defend himself as if they were all really great people. And, you know, when I peeled away the layers, you know, as I revealed in my video, they were not good people. One of them, Joseph Rosenbaum, was a man who raped five boys between the ages of nine and 11 years old. Uh, the other one, had, Anthony Huber, had a long history of domestic violence. And, and you know, people bring up, and I, I did a video about this too, because I guess there's a video of Kyle getting in an altercation, you know, with a group of kids, you know, and they were really obsessive about pushing the narrative that this made Kyle a bad person. But if you bring up the the histories of the other people involved, then you're you're shouted down and you're yelled at, like, that's not relevant, you know, or how dare you, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, they're not basically people are now to the point where we are so polarized that the truth is just not important to these people. And what I have to tell them is that, look, you know, if, if you think Kyle Rittenhouse is a Trump supporter and I've heard supposedly that he is, I don't know if he is or not, um, you know, but that doesn't make him guilty. Right. Well, that's just, but it doesn't make him guilty, you know, and that's what I think really bothers me is that, like, they latch on to whatever little pieces they can get, you know, um, of anything negative that they could find. And and none of it's really relevant to anything that went on in Kenosha anyway. But, you know, um, I, I think, though, that we are now to a point, and this is actually kind of a thing that concerns me. And what I call it is the, the rioters veto. If you do look back to the, the Rodney King incident, you know, and then the the beating up, obviously, the police beat Rodney King and then that led to riots in LA and then you know during those riots a group of you know individuals grabbed a trucker and yanked him out of his truck his name was Reginald Denny you know they got full-on video of this guy getting beaten nearly to death and I mean they it looked like they were trying to kill him the guys didn't even make any you know uh any effort whatsoever to cover what they were doing and then because of the threat of rioting they acquitted the people who did that to Reginald Denny, even though they were as guilty as a cat in a goldfish bowl. Um, you know, and we've had recent other instances where self-defense has been put into question, um, like the gentleman who unfortunately recently took his own life because uh, he, you know, his charges were changed uh, from you know, written off as self-defense and then, and then moved back to being a criminal investigation. You know, and that's another example of a man who's just clearly defending himself on video. But to to the people that are charged is the word I would use into this situation to where their emotions are more important than the truth, you know, and it becomes a mob. You know, and honestly, I think one of the things that bothers me the most about it is that it reminds me it harkens back to what we learned about lynch mob justice. You know, that targeted people of color, you know, in years past and how you get a mob of people who believe in their community, that they have the right to pick and choose who is and is not guilty. And if they have any reason to be predisposed negatively towards someone, then their version of justice should prevail. And honestly, talking to people in this situation, what disturbed me was that I feel that the only way that a lot of these people would have been happy would have been if Rosenbaum had succeeded in disarming Kyle and then just beat him to death, you know, like that's, and then if that had happened, I think that most of those people would have just kind of gotten quiet about it in the same way they did with the gentleman in Portland who got yanked out of his truck. um, You know, they did finally get the guy who did that. But when you bring that up to these people, it's, it's silence, you know, they, they don't want to discuss it. You know, and that's, I actually used that in one of the original videos that I did about Kyle was you know, to point out, well, this is what just happened in Portland. This is fresh in everybody's minds. They yanked this poor guy out of his truck and they savagely beat him and then kicked him in the head and knocked him out. I wouldn't stick around for a mob of those people that wanted me either, (laughs) you know, and I, I guess that's the part that bothers me is that there are enough people that are just angry enough that they feel that Kyle represents to them the opposing viewpoint, you know, that for some reason, by virtue of that alone, He's the bad guy. He deserves to be punished. And any, you know, truth as far as to what he did or didn't do is secondary to that fact. And I saw the same thing in reverse, which is why I did a video of about Michael Rinal, who murdered uh, Patriot Pair member Jay Danielson in Portland. I did a video about that, that people can also watch on my channel, uh, that they tried to say that that man was, you know, because, of course, he was, as he put it, 100 percent Antifa you know, that he was innocent, and he was just defending himself. And, you know, some of the, basically, we're at a point now where justice is in a lot of trouble. You know, Madam Justice is being swamped by a mob. And it's going to take people who are willing to speak up about this, whether right or left, and people in a position like yours, to be able to do something for people, because justice is getting lost. You know, it's it's in dire threat right now. And I think that People think it's just fine so long as it's their group, their mob, you know, that's going to prevail and you know and get the, you know their opposition. They're, they wouldn't be so comfortable if the, if the if the shoe was on the other foot. So, with with all that proselytizing out of the way, um, what is the state of things for Kyle Rittenhouse now?
1: Well, Kyle is presently uh, in Illinois in a youth detention facility, and he's safe. I'd like for him to stay there until we get more clarity uh, on what will be the next steps. If he's extradited over to Wisconsin, he can be bailed out. That might occur sometime in the next two or three months. Uh, we'll see how the uh, atmosphere um, appears at that time because he might be safer in jail than he is out on the streets. I think that what you're describing is accurate, uh, Neil. I'd put it a little bit broader perspective. Our country is essentially divided between people who like it, recognizing it's not perfect, and people that don't like it and want to change it. If you look at the various videos, and you have to go on uh, Twitter or some online uh, media to find some truth as to what's going on because the mainstream media is not broadcasting it. But you'll see in any of these protests and riots Everybody's got a camera. Why? These people are trying to create vile moments to further their own agenda. For example, I represent Mark and uh, Patricia uh, McCloskey. How many times, to the point of ad nauseum, have you seen the clip of the McCloskeys waving their guns around? So much so that everybody understood or accepted the McCloskeys who were victims get charged criminally, and the people who were threatening them don't get charged at all because the public hasn't been shown the full truth. I know there's video that exists, and it would show that these protesters targeted that family. They knew where they lived. They knew they had guns from a prior problem with Homeowners Association. And it's all on video, but you haven't seen but one clip, the one they want you to see. There were people with guns, they were threatening this family with harm such as rape, murder, take over your house. They provoked them to do what people naturally do, and that is to react to defend themselves. So they could then capture it in a snippet of video, play it ad nauseum, and convince the public, almost brainwashing us to think the McCloskeys are bad and the protesters were good. That's just one example, but it's being done. On a regular basis I don't want to insult the listeners They're just like me We're all trying to carry on our lives Every day uh, And we don't have time Most of us to to sit back And look at what's really going on here I've spent more time doing it Because of the people that I represent What's happening is the mainstream media President Trump says it's fake media I call it not the difference Between real and fake I call it the difference between truth and lies American public is being lied to. There are larger agendas at work right now that want to change our form of government, that want one world government. I think a lot of this is uh, being financed and promoted by George Soros. I think there is, in fact, a problem in the military-industrial complex. We were warned about it as far back as Abraham Lincoln. We were also warned about it by Dwight Eisenhower, his last speech that he gave before John Kennedy was inaugurated. Eisenhower said the greatest threat to this country is not external, it's internal. It's the military-industrial complex. It was also referenced recently by President Trump and also by John F. Kennedy, who said at one point he was going to take the CIA and and splinter them into a million pieces and cast them to the wind. We have some very bad actors within our government who are there for power and influence. People don't know how many many trillions of dollars are missing from the Pentagon budget. The people that are taking that money, they want to keep taking it, and they don't want you to know that they got it. So you combine the military-industrial complex with the agenda of the George Soros as he announced it publicly at Davos 2020. Get rid of Trump. They're trying to get rid of Trump. He stands in the way of one world government. You throw in there the likes of Bill Gates, the billionaire that wants to try to vaccinate everybody and put a tattoo on everybody. The bottom line is they're trying to control our country. They're trying to control us. The way to control us is to take away our freedom of speech, take away our right to bear arms, to defend ourselves and our country. Then the next thing they'll do is they'll take away due process. They'll take away your right country is in the middle of what's known as a color revolution. We do it to other countries. Our CIA has been doing it for decades. My belief is that it will not work in America because there's something inherent about American people that love freedom, and we're not going to let somebody take it away from us. But I'm afraid that we're in, in the next couple of months for the fight
0: of our lives. You know, and the, the funny thing is, from the even from the leftist side of things, I think that there's definitely an organized effort uh, to radicalize the left. And I think that it's by people who don't necessarily have their best interests at heart. One of the things that got me involved in activism was the passing of the Patriot Act. And I just sat down and read the thing for myself, and there was enough in there to be disturbing to me. Um, is that I, I basically think, especially after watching Occupy go from being a powerful force to essentially disintegrating down to a shadow of its former self. And ironically, what what got, it got us to that point was the identity politics getting out of control. Uh, Occupy Detroit and Occupy Flint were the two major camps I was part of. And there was a radical difference between the two of them. One of them, everything came about your race and your gender and your, you know, what gender you identified with and all that. And then they kind of divided everybody up into, you know, who's the most oppressed in the room, gets to do the most talking, you know. And it just created a lot of infighting and Occupy Detroit became much less effective because of it. And I watched it going on and thinking, I'm sorry.
1: No, I was just going to comment. If, if, if what, you're, what you're describing is exactly the game plan, and it goes back to a simple statement, what they're trying mm-hmm. to do is to divide people. They're trying to right. get one side against another because it's absolutely true that as this country goes, united we stand, divided we fall. They're trying to divide us. They're trying to divide us based on politics. They're trying to divide us based on race. They're trying to divide us based on wealth. There's a drive to divide this country so that someone, bad actors, can take it over. If we continue to allow ourselves to be manipulated and divided, then we will fall. But when we come together and the rights that we love and cherish under our Constitution, the United will continue to
0: stand. I would agree with you. Um, I think that unfortunately, my colleagues don't recognize that they're being unwittingly, you know, basically pushed in that direction. And I think that, well, right, exactly. And it's, and being played in such a way that ironically, you know, because, of again, I, I have the history, part of the problem, I think, is that a lot of our current activists are kind of young, and, you know, they're, they're in their early 20s, and maybe they weren't around when 9-11 happened and the legislation that was passed shortly there i know for me the first thing that was coming through my head when i was watching you know what goes on you know currently with the the way that antifa has been doing things the way that unfortunately even black lives matter is being manipulated into doing things is that it all fits under the the patriot acts uh new definition for what a domestic terrorist is and who, as soon as- who has
1: benefited? who has benefited the greatest from 9-11 the military-industrial complex.
0: Absolutely. We've been at war
1: constantly ever since 9-11. And 9-11 allowed the government to pass laws that did what? Gave the government more right to intrude on our privacy. When I said there are a bunch of bad actors and I said the military-industrial complex, that's one of them. But they got everybody wanting to fight for America. They didn't realize that they, just like the citizens in this country in recent years, are being played, and we've been played, and that's why the young the young generation uh, is more susceptible to it. They've been more uh, exposed to agendas through social media, television, cable. Listen, you got Netflix putting young little girls on a special. That literally amounts to child pornography, and yet it comes across on Netflix, and everybody thinks it's normal. It's not normal. And Definitely the way this not. country has been torn apart since 9-11, and they don't tell us – I remember the day – listen, I date myself. I, I was a, a Vietnam War-type person and when I was in college. I was for the war, then I finally got tired of it. If we were seeing right now what's going on in these various wars that have been going on since nine eleven. The public would say, you know, that's enough. We've got to stop it. That's why they don't show it on the media. You don't see the scenes of the warfare now like you used to see nightly on the Vietnam War, so much so that the American public finally said, we got to get out. I remember the word was Lyndon Johnson said when they lost Walter Cronkite, when he said we got to get out of Vietnam, we lose Cronkite, we've lost the country. So the things that are happening to the American public are behind the scenes, Because they're being hidden from us Now they're right in our faces They're hiding the truth from us Through censorship Never in my 67 soon to be 68 years Did I think there would be censorship In the United States of America It is now rampant It is blatant They're in our face And I'm telling people that ask me If you listen to it on TV It's a lie If you want to know the truth Find what was censored Because that's the truth
0: I would agree with that, especially as an independent journalist. I know we expected it to be a lot more draconian initially. I think that, um, I know back in 2008, we were expecting that they were just going to shut the internet off or something like that. And I said, you know, I don't think that's the route they're going to take. I think they're going to use it as another way to lie to us and to control us. And um, they have internet, uh, like, actually, the funny thing is, even the mainstream media reported on this was that the Air Force got caught. Uh, with technology that allows them to use basically, um, you know, an AI to create false social media accounts for the purposes of swaying public opinion. And they admitted to this, you can find um, articles about it and videos about it, even from the mainstream media, but the air force defended themselves by saying, but don't worry, we only use that in middle Eastern countries against, you know, (laughs) foreign powers, you know, I'm sure they never use it on us. Right. (laughs) Yeah, they do. If you,
1: you
0: right, remember the movie Argo? No, go
1: ahead and tell the me movie about Argo? it. The, the movie Argo was a, a movie about a special op where we went in to, to accomplish something in a Middle Eastern country and it was what's called a special op. Special op is where our intelligence people create a false reality to get the people that they're trying to manipulate to react the way they expect people to react. Essence to Use it by way of analogy. If maybe it's not so much analogy, but it's reality, it's as if our country right now has been subject- is being subjected to a special operation, where everything you see is a false reality, designed to get us to react in a certain way. In our there go, was a, go ahead in the, mo- in the movie. They in the movie they almost caught the people that were involved in it. It was based on a true story. In fact, they never even came within missile range of suspecting. That it was a CIA operation. The CIA in this country is corrupt. I don't mind saying it. They're evil and they're corrupt. They're out for money and power and they manipulate people. They're part of the deep state. They're part of the military industrial complex. What they are doing and have done for decades in other countries, they are doing it to our country now internally. We have been groomed for this for several years, if not since 9-11, maybe before. And now it's all coming to fruition in the form of trying to take Donald Trump out of office, whether you like him or not. You love the Constitution. You better hope Donald Trump wins, because if the other side wins, it won't be by a fair election. They're trying to set up a situation where there's going to be chaos in this country after November 3rd, because they're going to try to say the vote's not solid until we get all these mail ballots in. It could take weeks, months. This country will be in absolute turmoil. It will be divided: father against son, son against father, brother against brother. In that type of turmoil and chaos, that's when somebody comes in and changes your form of government. And, that's and I'm actually, not a uh, conspiracy theorist. I'm grounded. I'm grounded in the world and fact. I fight for truth and facts. It's time for the country to realize and face the truth: the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're being played. And if we don't wake up and realize it, we're going to lose our constitution.
0: That's actually part of the Chairman Mao when he was taking over China. And um, he used the same strategies also to turn the young people against their establishment and to create a situation that's, you know, basically, you know, it reminds me of religious zealotry. That That's the situation we're in. It's like a Uh, You know, a a religion that is on a crusade complete with an inquisition that holds witch hunts to find blasphemers to excommunicate, you know, if they're going to cancel you. And that's only if they don't catch you alone somewhere at one of these things and assault you or even murder you, as in the case of Jay Danielson. But, you know, to go back to what you said about war, um, Senator Mike Gravel was a Vietnam era senator who filibustered to end the draft. I worked for him. Um, and, you know, he definitely spoke about the military industrial complex. You'll notice the media really hates candidates that do that. They went after Ron Paul for that reason. They went after Tulsi Gabbard, you know, Dennis Kucinich. You know, a- any of those candidates that were anti war were immediately the enemy of the media, whether right or left. Um, because the and, media and that,
1: is the propaganda tool to the deep
0: state, the military industrial right. complex. And if you don't mind, right. let
1: me just say. I named off a bunch of actors, George Soros maybe. Uh, we can argue whether he's American or not. I got my doubts. I don't think he is even if he lives here. I left out one of the big ones, maybe two, China. China's communist. are totalitarianism, the worst. Russia's not blame-free. They're communists. If you look at the communist playbook on how they brainwash and manage to have the 2% to 10% take over the 100%, It's being played out in America right now. China has a publicly avowed goal to take over the United States and the world. If people don't realize that they are serious, then they're going to find themselves with a Chinese flag over the White House. China's involved in this along with the other people that want to change our form of government. That's why you'll find that I'm afraid to say uh, that it's true, but it's true. I'm not going to run from it. You hear people on the left talking about Russia, Russia, Russia. They're not talking about China, China, China. It's almost like they want to focus on Russia to keep you from looking at China. The politicians have gotten a lot of money from China. The politicians in this country have gotten a lot of money from George Soros Pax. Look at the DAs in the cities and the mayors in the cities and the governors in the states where the violence is taking place and innocent people are being put in jail and criminals are walking free. Kyle Rittenhouse was attacked by three damn criminals. He was there to help people. He was not part of a militia. He was there to render medical aid. He said before he started, he patted his rifle and said, I know I'm going to be in harm's way, so I have to defend myself. And by damn golly, he did have to defend himself, didn't he? There's he sure not did one it. shred of evidence of Kyle Rittenhouse, and you showed it as beautifully as I've ever seen somebody put together an accurate timeline of the video because the video eye does not lie. There's no... Perception involved in the camera It tells the absolute truth And you demonstrated in your documentary That I was I can't tell you how much I Was impressed by it But I can't tell you how much I felt good about it Because you told the truth Regardless of your politics Truth is not partisan Kyle Rittenhouse did not do one thing There's not one iota of evidence To support any charge against him There's no probable cause and yet that boy sits in jail in a youth facility today, threatened with life in prison, life in prison at age 17. He didn't do anything wrong. Kyle Rittenhouse, in my view, plain and simple, is a political prisoner.
0: You know, I don't know if you looked at the, uh, the case of the other fellow I was talking about who recently took his own life. Um, I actually, uh, We'll pull up an article about it for the details, but um, yes, the gentleman's name was Jake Gardner, and he was on video. Basically, he was during a riot defending his bar, and a group of thugs uh, walked up and basically you know punched out his father. He went over there to help them, you know, his father, and then the same group of thugs confronted him. and he's he's on video, like he demonstrates he's like, "I have a firearm, please stand back, leave me alone." And three of them get up, they jump on him, they mob him anyway. He ends up shooting one of them who's trying to choke him. And this poor guy, you know, like the video is very clear. In fact, the video is even more clear than a lot of the stuff we have about what happened to Kyle. And that rioter's veto I was talking about essentially comes up. You know, know, there's all this pressure on the DA, and then they change the case to make the poor guy – you know, have to go through this all over again, and then they charge him with murder, even though he's literally shooting somebody who is in the process of choking him. And again, it's that mob mentality. I just, I don't know what would ever make these people happy. What it comes down to is that if it's somebody who's on the left and the left, you know, and who does it, then the left wants that person exonerated and the right wants that person put away. You know, they don't even care about the facts of the situation. You know, there really is no like, way to defend yourself right now, especially as a white male, because they've made everything racial, um, you know, and and gender-based, for that matter, there's no way to defend yourself, and the police in these cities are basically being told to stand down, even if they wanted to do anything, you know, so that's leading to people being armed, and they're being told, well, even if you do that, we're, you know, we're still going to prosecute you anyway, and, you know, that part of it...
1: They're, try, they're trying to, they're trying to again, they're trying to play you. They're trying to send a message to, look, look at what they've done. They've created lawlessness, and they've intimidated the police officers, law enforcement, where they're afraid to enforce the law because they're afraid they'll be charged with crimes. Now they've got individuals who are being intimidated into not self-defending themselves because they might get charged with crimes. If you don't right. defend yourself, you can't defend your family, your community. Ultimately, you can't defend your country. I'm familiar with the case that you mentioned, and I'm not going to yet be able to say if I've drawn a conclusion as to whether that young man committed suicide or not. I don't know the facts. I do know that a lot of what we're hearing right now, what you hear is truth is a lie, and the lies we're hearing might not be consistent with the truth at all because they're lies. I don't know what happened to that young man, but I know this. I don't believe Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. I believe there were a lot of powerful people that he knew about, he had information on, and I think put him in jail to kill him. Now, that sounds like I'm some sort of a conspiracy theorist. I'm not, but I connect the dots. And when things don't make any sense, I tend to think they're false. The cameras weren't on. The guards weren't paying attention. The charges brought against him were baked over from 2009. Why did they Why did they do it then? Why did he get little or no jail time in 2009? Something's not wrong, right about the Epstein case. Something doesn't doesn't strike me as being right about this young man's suicide.
0: Whatever. Now, well, I remember one of the people tragedy, that I listened to pointed I, I out that he was found dead. No, go ahead.
1: Well, he was. I, listen. I know that the facts appear to be suicide, just like they did with – and it's an example of Jeffrey Mm -hmm. Epstein. But But we haven't been told all the facts about Epstein. I don't think we've necessarily been told all the facts about this young man. I think that we've got to learn fight back. I founded the foundation off of a hashtag that I put on Twitter because I felt a sense of the country's got to fight back for itself. So I formed Fight Back uh, as a 501c4 foundation so that people would have a place to go to, a clearinghouse, so to speak, where their constitutional rights were being threatened or they were being violated. Because I believe that when the dust settles in the next couple of months, people are going to realize that we almost lost our constitutional rights. And over the next decade or longer, we're going to be more vigilant so that it never happens again. That's what Fight Back Foundation was, was established to be able to help people do. We've got to remember that the greatest gift we ever have been given in this country is the United States Constitution. It is singularly unique in the world. If we lose it, we'll find ourselves in chaos, and eventually all the people who think socialism is a great way of life sit back and have medical care for all, smoke a joint, enjoy yourself. They're going to find themselves subservient, ruling people, just like the people in China are subjected to now. Communism and socialism is not what America wants. And the fact that we're even talking about it concerns me. This is a democracy, a democratic republic. It's worked well. It was an experiment. But it's worked well enough that it's the best system of government in the history of mankind. And people aren't fighting back to keep it. That's why I formed this foundation. That's what I'm working for. And so I guess when you asked me, was I an activist? I didn't really feel like I was. I guess I've convinced myself to to contradict myself and be totally candid with you. I am an activist because I want to see this country remain free under the United States Constitution with a Bill of Rights that protects our individual inherent human rights to be individuals and have freedom.
0: And I think that um, it's important to note that even if people disagree about any elements of the politics involved, you know, that that doesn't make somebody guilty or innocent of a crime. That's the part about it that I, I think I was trying to articulate earlier was that people want Kyle Rittenhouse punished for his political beliefs. Whether or not he's actually guilty of murder is secondary to that. And they will, they they call him a murderer now, but I just, there's nothing I've seen, you know, all of the shootings that he was participating in are all available for everybody to see. And I don't know what outcome they think would have been preferable um, as far as like, you know, that would make any sense outside of the fact that, you know, when you're part of a mob, anything that is the enemy of the mob, you know, has no rights, has no, you know, essentially no right to exist. You know, that's that's the, the, the direction that we're at. That's why I compared it to a, you know, to like a witch hunt mentality because there's no there's no rationale behind it. You know, I, I basically, if he hadn't, um, I, I have every confidence that if Joseph, Ro- Joseph Rosenbaum had gotten his hands on Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, he would have it, at the very least severely injured him, um, you know. Nope, but, there's no
1: question about that.
0: Right, and th- the no notion I, like,
1: the guy that smashed ahead. him in the side, of his, the guy that smashed him on the side, on his head with the side of a, of a of a, of a uh, skateboard, that could have killed him. The guy coming at him with first a fake surrender, and then he puts his hand out with a gun in it. He was going to shoot him. He even said later he wished he'd emptied his damn gun on him and killed him. Right, miles Rittenhouse's life was at risk. He was in, at threat of serious bodily injury or death. He did what anybody would have the right to do under any law in this country. He had the right to defend himself. Listen, I told you at the beginning, I don't know Kyle's political be- uh, beliefs if he hasn't sure. age 17. Sure. The public wants to convict him in their minds because, as you mentioned, his political beliefs. They think he supports the right. They think he supports Trump. Nobody even knows the boy's political beliefs. You're being led to believe that they're Trump or right-oriented because he went there to help people that were under attack to, to give medical aid and try to protect a man's uh, building. And if you saw in your video, showed it graphically, how many times he was there saying, hey, first aid, EMT, I can help you. He wasn't running around shooting anybody, and here's the proof positive. After he had to shoot the third person, as you showed in your documentary, there was a guy there 15 or 20 feet away. And he threw up his hands like as in surrender. Kyle was in a shooter's position. He had a clear shot. If he was a mass murderer like Marky Mark Zuckerberg said he was, he had a clear shot to kill. He wasn't that type of a person. He saw the man surrender. He had the judgment of a grown man at age 17 to turn around and run for the police. He wasn't there to hurt anybody. He was there to help people. And the only thing he did was to defend himself himself to defend his right to not be subjected to bodily harm and possible death by criminals who were trying to
0: hurt him. You know, and I think that the funny thing that, because I also end up having to analyze all of these police shootings. And I think a lot of people who don't really know what they're talking about because they probably haven't spoken to a police officer. Um, They've probably never spent any time really investigating what a police officer has to do to apprehend somebody. You know, there's an interesting hypocrisy I guess that comes about is that you know there doesn't when you when you talk to the mob the way things are now there's no way for a police officer to safely arrest anybody essentially they act as though somebody who is resisting arrest is like they, they have a right to do whatever they want to up to it including you know endangering the officer's life you know to bring that person in you know and it, 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 the Basically, the criminal gets all the rights in in the minds of the mob right now. Now, the reason I'm bringing this back to Kyle is that the opposite is then suddenly true. Apparently, Kyle was just supposed to let that mob, you know, stomp him to death. And, And that would have been justice as far as these people are concerned. You have so many people here who are completely ignorant of what law enforcement is supposed to look like, who think that their communities can successfully police themselves. You know, and here they are trying to basically they don't know any of the facts surrounding what Kyle had done or had not done, you know, and they were acting aggressively. I mean, like, let's just say, for example, that let's take a moment and we'll put police uniforms on Anthony Huber, you know, on Joseph Rosenbaum, you know, and all of these people that went after Kyle. How would the mob have reacted to that dichotomy all of a sudden? You know, if we had shifted it and changed it, you know, because, you know, and that's, I guess, what I'm getting at is that, you know, again, they're so emotionally charged that they're not thinking clearly at all. And in many cases, they don't really understand it, you know, and I don't think and go ahead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But when you say they're not thinking clearly at all, I give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, because I go back and say they may be thinking, but they're not realizing that they're being played. Give you a great mm-hmm. example. Kenosha was about right versus left, right? Yes. The death of the death of the of the gentleman up in Minnesota, George Floyd, that was about white versus black, policeman versus a black uh, man, right? Yeah. To use that to try to implant in the idea of Americans that we have a systemic race problem. And to also plant in the minds of Americans that police are bad. A few days before Mr. Floyd untimely died, there was a young boy shot and killed in what I would describe as a modern-day lynching. A young boy named Mr. Albury down in Brunswick, Georgia. He would jog through the neighborhood. Everybody knew he was there. He stopped one day and he looked in a house that's under construction. I did it myself when I was young, and looking around houses, walking and walk around the floor plan. Then he resumed his job. Then three individuals tracked him down and shot him. That to me was an act of blatant racism. We're not a systemically racist country, but we still have racists among us. Bad apples in every group. Did that boy get a three-day funeral on TV? Did everybody start burning down the cities, burn down Brunswick? No. George Soros had his people ready to pull the trigger when it was a police officer involved in the death of a black man. So they could then say it's bad cop. It's a systemically racial country. That is a lie. If they were concerned about racism, it would have been a reaction to Mr. Albrey's murder. They would have been a reaction to the deaths of people in, 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 in Chicago, Black Lives Matter, if you track it back corporately, it's a Marxist corporation. It's not a feel-good group of people who care about black people. I've never discriminated in my life. God gave me the ability, thank God, that I have the ability to, to be, in effect, colorblind. I don't treat people differently based on color. Other people grew up in an era where it was difficult to overcome the times when we were a systemically racist country but they're trying to tell us that we are we're not we're being played they're creating the division police against citizens black versus white left versus right what i said earlier i'll go back to it right now they're trying to divide us we're being played because they think if they can divide us they can take us over
0: and they can also render, you know, uh, basically just render any ability of us to, you know, defend ourselves, you know, inert to I mean, it's any kind of takeover. And I think and that that comes from the right or the left. When a communist regime takes over a country, they divide and conquer. You know, when a fascist regime takes over a country, they divide and conquer. You know, it's in the Absolutely. playbook the playbooks of all of these organizations. And they everybody thinks it's only the right that does this or it's only the left that does this. And that's to the benefit of the people who are controlling us, essentially, you know, um, in the ultimate of, of, of these systems, you know, basically the ultimate unfortunate truth is that full communists still end up with a situation where there's a small group of people doing very well, you know, and a bunch of people who are not doing well. When you get into crony capitalism or the dark side of capitalism, you have the same problem, uh, which is that you have a small group of people making all the decisions and having all the power the rest of us. And that people, both of those sides point at each other and say, no, it's your system that creates that situation. Um, you know, actually, there was a, a Russian uh, defector, a KGB defector, his first name is Yuri. I'm going to not even going to try to pronounce his last name. But he did some specials with G. Edward Griffin, discussing the Soviet subversion strategies and how the Soviet Union would basically destabilize a country and demoralize a country and a lot of the things that this guy told us were going to happen like back in the eighties are coming true now. And the, the problem is, is that, um, it, and I've noticed it the more and more I talk every day and he described it. He's like, you're going to be in a situation where you, you know, the facts are just not important, you know, that everybody, you know, no matter what you do, you can't get people to make good decisions. And that's, it's all part of their system. You know, and I think that. Um, but one of the things that Yuri says, which is very important, is that the the right or the the wealthy side, the Republican side, has its own role to play in that ultimate downfall of the United States. And what Yuri pointed out, what, what did he say? He said, the the wealthy are going to buy the rope that they will be that they will be hung with, because they will essentially be so obsessed with. You know, high-level profits that it makes it easier to turn the people against the wealthy, Um, and so I guess what I'm getting at is, is that it's it's definitely a problem. But the that uh, the other half of the problem is that you know um, when people you you brought up religion, I think that one of the uh, the missing cogs in the machine of the capitalist system in the United States is that there used to be Christian morality. That is just not there anymore, and it's been replaced with um, Ayn Randism. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with any of her work, but you know, she basically said that um, uh, she said that being good to other people, being altruistic, you know, charity is all immoral. You know, the people have put down the basically the wealthy elites of the United States have put down the Bible and they've picked up Ayn Rand's work, and she teaches people to be selfish as a virtue. And as a result, you have a situation where there was a time when in the United States, it was the right and Christian thing to do for a businessman to take care of his employees and to take care of the people that work for him and and make sure that they're doing well. And and now instead, we have a situation where the wealthy, you know, ship, they're, they're selling our economy to China. You know, they're selling all of our manufacturing to China. You know, nothing else like would and, have made that more clear. For that, a, Go ahead. In
1: return for that, they're getting a lot of money and a lot of power and a lot of influence. Listen, right, I could exactly. Have, I could, I, I'd love to have another time where we had an hour or something to talk about faith. I'm a man of deep faith. I believe mm-hmm. that what is lacking that has allowed our country to deteriorate has been uh, a, a degeneration and deterioration in people's fundamental Christian faith. I won't get on the soapbox, but I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm a man of faith. I believe right now that if you took the pulse of America, more and more people are praying, praying for the president. They're praying for our country. They're praying for their communities. I believe there's going to be a resurgence in Christianity after the dust settles from what's about to happen in this country, and that will turn this country back around and we'll care more about each other. We'll know that we're all equal and that our jobs on this world is not to put ourselves first, but to put other people first. If we
0: all live like that,
1: we'd live in a wonderful, almost perfect world the way it was intended to be.
0: Well, and I'm personally an agnostic, but I recognize the value of the Christian religion as far as to creating a moral compass that the United States, is as it was understood to be, was founded on in such a way that there was a time, for example, that... You know, a businessman would have never done something like lay off a bunch of employees right before Christmas.
1: They they wouldn't exactly. do it. Exactly, you care about them too much. You put you put you put their interests first and your profits second. Right,
0: and that's unfortunately that, – Now
1: everybody's putting their own they're putting their own selves first. They're, they're 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 telling everybody you're you're a white supremacist, you're a racist, or you're a rich Republican. Everybody's casting stones. Right. I'd love to watch these congressional hearings and these senate senators when they start asking questions, and making accusations. I'd love to get one or two of them under oath for about two hours and find out him and his stones they got in their bag or rocks they're carrying it too. Everybody's got them. How does somebody have the right to accuse another person when that person themselves could stand accused? Whether you want to frame it as as religion or Christianity, which I do. I think we've lost respect for our fellow man and right. it's time to change that. If we're going to survive as a, as, as a civil society, we've lost the ability to even speak civilly to each other. I spend some time on Twitter because I find it to be a place where conversations can occur. The people that are on the other side of what they think my beliefs are, they're profane, they're insulting there's a lack of civility, basic civility in this country, and there is a bad lack of knowledge of our basic legal system, our civil system that we live under. It hasn't been taught in schools the way it used to be. We used to have a lesson in civics. The young uh, generation right now, they didn't get that fundamental training and knowledge, and I think we've got to get back to some of the basics. We've made life too complicated. When something's complicated, it's hard to understand. If it's hard to understand, it's hard to know what to do. I use the analogy of a stop sign. It's simple. Stop means stop. You know exactly what to do. I think our Supreme Court needs to be revamped. I'm tired of 30 and 40 and 100-page decisions. You can't figure out what the law is. They ought to have one to three pages to write down their rulings. We need to simplify our laws. We need to simplify our system of justice. We need to simplify our lives. We need to get back to the basics.
0: And I would say that, you know, when you bring up the Constitution, I've done shows about this specifically because um, Senator Gravel wanted to have a democratic referendum system put in place. And so in order to do that, he had to he figured he'd probably have to have a constitutional amendment. So he had to study extensively about, you know, what went on during the foundation of this country And because that's how the Supreme Court argues is they go back and if something's not spelled out in the Constitution, they might read letters between Thomas Jefferson and Madison to try to figure out what they meant. And one of the things that I think doesn't get talked about, and that's actually kind of the core of, you know, the reason I have the show that I do, is that the political parties are part of the problem. Um, They're not a constitutional entity. You know, they're a completely non constitutional yeah. entity. And, and George Washington yeah. said in his farewell address, I'm very wary of the party system. I'm concerned that people will start to do what's best for their party and not what's best for the country. And George Washington's the only non party president we've ever had because after that, and the we, parties took over we, everything. And we
1: may go back to that eventually. We may I go hope back that we get, get rid of having, them. I, I do too. And let me tell you this I've been bashing some people, and I, and, I'll, and, I, and I think they deserve it. There's as many bad people in the Republican Party right now who've sold out to the deep state, to their pocketbooks, and to power and influence as are in the, in the Democratic Party. You can't right. tell who's really on what side in some points. And, and, and the reason that it happens is because of what Washington feared. we would become a, a divided nation based on what was best for each other's parties. We need to go back to, in effect, being a nation where it's a party of one. Where we're in this together, because at the end of the day, we're all in it together. We ought to go back to being a party of one that talks about what's in the best interest of our country, which is in a way saying what's in the best interest of all of our fellow men and women. A party of one would solve a lot of the the problems in this country. People say, well, Well, you want to change the Constitution? It's tough to do. They wanted it to be tough to do. Have a constitutional convention. If it's not the will of the majority of the states to change the Constitution, it doesn't change. Because it's difficult, they're trying to circumvent it and, in effect, change the Constitution and do away with it, violence and division. The Founding Fathers were geniuses. Whether you believe they were inspired by God, I believe they were. This nation was founded under God. It's in every one of our founding documents. So faith aside for the moment. We had fundamental principles. We've gotten away from them, and we're slowly but surely sliding down the hill to where our civilization, if we don't correct it, it's going to end, because history repeats itself. We're going to end like the Roman Empire. The greatest civilization besides our own was the Roman Empire, and it went into moral decay, and it ceased to exist. The only way you can alter the future is to understand The past Or you're going to be doomed To repeat the same mistakes Why do you think these folks Are trying to destroy our statues They're trying to take away our history They don't want us to remember Where we came from Who we are And why we're the people we are That way when it comes back around And they're in control We won't remember the good old days When we had freedom We won't remember the Thomas Jeffersons The Benjamin Franklins The George Washingtons We won't know what those men stood for they stood for America, an America that cared about each other, an America where people were supposed to be treated fairly and equally. We're and going I to think learn a bad tough lesson in the next couple of months, in my opinion, and I think we're going to realize how valuable our country and our Constitution is because we're going to come damn close to losing it in the next two months.
0: I definitely think things are coming to a head and and you mentioned the election earlier. And I, one of the reasons why, you know, even from the perspective of uh, the progressive left, the people who support Bernie Sanders, I voted for Bernie Sanders, um, you know, is that the people who are in the democratic party don't represent, you know, the, the values that they were said to have represented either the deep state, the deep state you're talking about. I often bring this up is that, so you see the Bush family, and the Clinton family arguing with each other, you know, on the debates or whatever. And then, then you see pictures of them playing golf together, or then you see pictures all of deep- them deep- on Epstein's plane together. Bush- <laughs> you know, they're they're, they're Bush- playing. To Clinton.
1: They were all deep
0: state, right?
1: It was it was all it was all smoke and mirrors. They acted like they were against each other. They're really one big happy band of warriors. Uh, and people would say, well, Wood, you, you're off your rocker. You're saying that George Bush, 41, and 43 were deep state like Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama, who, by the way, I'm, I voted for in 2008 because I didn't right. like John McCain. Kind of the same feelings about John McCain I had about Hillary. I thought Barack Obama was going to be a good thing for this country because he would show to the world that we could elect an African-American as president. I don't think Barack Obama had the best interest of our country in mind. And at the time of his re-election, I wasn't so hot on Obama. And then in his second term, I realized he was selling out our country. And I started looking for somebody else, and it wasn't going to be Hillary Clinton. But that's what I went back. I'll go back to what we hmm. see as 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 reality. We think is reality that the Bushes and the Clintons don't get along. It's a lie. They get along fine. People like Donald Trump, Ronald Reagan they're different. They don't play the games. I think that Ronald Reagan was a great president. He loved this country. I think before Donald Trump's time in office is up, Donald Trump's going to be remembered as one of the greatest presidents that ever served because Donald Trump, I know as a matter of fact, decided to run not for power. He went out and talked to the people, and he decided to do it for the people. That's why he talks to the people that's why the people in growing numbers are supporting him, because his message is clear. He cares about us.
0: I think that was at the core of what was different going into 2016, being as how I was a paid analyst for campaigns in the past. the Two things that I noticed immediately was that, one, they were grossly underestimating Trump, and they were grossly underestimating Bernie Sanders. And the things that they both have in common are the things that you're talking about, about talking to the people, um, you know, about talking in such a way that the people felt they could relate to it. And they gave us essentially a horribly flawed candidate in the form of Hillary Clinton, who I never would have voted for ever under any circumstances. Um, I figured that out in 2008. It had nothing to do with Bernie Sanders. You know, um, it's the same thing with Joe Biden. I, I would have never voted for him. I don't vote for anybody who voted for Iraq. I don't vote for anybody who voted for NAFTA. I don't vote for anybody who voted for TPP or supported it. Um, you know, here's, I, here's, I, a,
1: here's, those, another, here's another rule you can go by. Don't vote for anybody who's been in government for
0: 47 years. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> Look, and we when need, you talk we we about it, we
1: need, we need what our, what our founding fathers expected. We need citizen statesmen. You go up to Washington, D.C. or to your state capitals. You serve your country for a period of time as a statesman or stateswoman now, person. And then you return back to the world you came from. Now what we've got is career politicians. They're only in office to stay in office for power and influence and money. Trump is different. Reagan was different. Listen, you're right. Bernie Sanders touched a nerve in the people. The people in the Democratic Party didn't want him to touch that nerve. They cheated him out in the last time with Clinton. And I don't know how he got bumped out so quickly this time by Biden. I woke up one day, and all of a sudden Biden had won the nomination. I was thinking, when did that happen? He's the person (laughs) they wanted to win, just like Hillary was the person they wanted to win, they being The cabal made up of the deep state, the military-industrial complex, the people that support China, the people that want power and more money, the Gateses and the sources and their likes, those are the people that are trying to control the masses. Bernie Sanders stood more for the mass of people. Donald Trump stands for the same, although they have different political views. We're all different, but we're more alike than we are different. And when we realize that, we'll move more toward a party of one, which will be a combination of the ideas of a Donald Trump and a, and a Bernie Sanders in the sense that it will be a party of the people. That's what we need in America, a party of one, a party of the people.
0: Well, I think that a major criteria that is lost is that it would be nice if we were picking our politicians based on the idea that they actually give a damn. You know, I I used I usually use a a more profane word when I say that, but trying to be clean. But the point is, is people who actually care. So, for example, um, I don't agree with a lot of the things that Ron Paul says, but I believe that Ron Paul legitimately cares. And I believe that if Ron Paul had been elected, I would I will be be I would be better off with him as president than, say, Hillary Clinton. You know, and most of the people that I speak to would agree that they would they would prefer, say, Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders over even Joe Biden, because at least they recognize that at the end of the day, if Bernie Sanders discovered one day that his Democratic Socialist policies aren't working, he would adapt and change because he genuinely gives a crap, you know, that there are other people out there that they don't work for the people. They work for the corporations. And, you know, I think Donald Trump was an anomaly that they had not expected. I think going into 2016, both sides of that situation were essentially kind of like taken aback by what, what what happened. Why are all these populists suddenly so popular? And Donald Trump was in a situation where he said, look, if you guys screw me over, I'll run third party. And I know the libertarians, they would have fallen over themselves to have Donald Trump on their ticket. Bernie wasn't willing to do that. He's not that kind of guy. So he's like, no, I'm not going to run third party, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, when it comes back to the the election itself and you talk about that actually for the sake of your audience i would direct them to the interviews that i did with clint curtis clint curtis is an attorney now who operates in florida and he's also an expert on election fraud he worked for a company uh, a software company before he became a lawyer and he was approached by at that time a republican congressman for the purpose of writing software to rig the voting machines and it was very simple to do because, the you know, the machines have just huge lines of code and we talk about deep state. So eventually um, he blew the whistle on what happened and that software company fired him and they blacklisted him, which is why he went into law, because at that point he couldn't get another software job. Somebody that he had worked with previously at, at that same company kept showing up at the store that he worked at while he was getting his law degree and asking him questions about what had went on. And there's several documentaries about this. Unfortunately, it's kind of old news. So people have forgotten, but I had him on my show not long ago. I'll try to provide the links, but anyway, Clint Curtis, um, you know, kept talking to this guy and he's like, look, you need to be careful. Like, you know, cause they, at one point they shot his dog, that they kept doing mysterious things to try to scare him, but he went out and he wrote a book. So he went public enough that he feels they left him alone. Well, anyway, this coworker of his who continued to investigate it. One day he shows up at his store and he says, all right, I've, I've gotten to the bottom of this. It goes all the way to the top. I'm going to blow the lid on it, you know? And, and he's like, "Uh, I, again, I think you need to talk to people because this is dangerous. And the guy blew it off. And then the guy found himself suicided, you know, in the state of Georgia, two hours away from where he lived. And the, there were a lot of mysterious things that happened around that murder, including the fact that at the time the police said that their cameras uh, malfunctioned and that they didn't have any photos of the crime scene. Those photos were later leaked online. And when you look at the photos, they're gruesome. It's pretty evident this man did not kill himself. And it's also a strange coincidence that despite the fact that the man lived in Florida, he felt the need to drive two hours away down to Georgia. And the reason why is because if he had, quote unquote, killed himself in Florida, Florida law says you have to have an autopsy. Georgia law does not. So there's a lot more information down that particular rabbit hole. And um, Clint Curtis is now running for Congress in Florida, trying to bring attention to this situation. But I would urge your, your, you know, the people who you know follow you also to look at this, because when it comes to what happened on super Tuesday, Bernie Sanders was in the lead. I mean, he destroyed everybody in Nevada and then you know, at that time, Joe Biden was like fifth or sixth or something like that. And Pete Buttigieg was in second with, with also kind of mysterious circumstances about how he got his position in Iowa and you know, the previous caucuses. So then Super Tuesday comes around and then um, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Joe Biden wins a bunch of states that he had not even um, campaigned in and there was another group called tdms research and they had been following the exit polls the exit polls that basically are supposed to tell us how people voted they eventually get before they are reported they get um modified by the media to suit the narrative you can find all this information again in episodes i did previously i won't go on too much longer about it but suffice it to say everywhere there was computer voting joe biden won everywhere there was hand counted ballots Bernie one, usually by a landslide. Um, and so and I think, honestly, that's one of the reasons why I, I'm going to just be blunt. I'm not even going to bother to vote. I don't think that we're going to have a real election this time. And the mail-in ballots thing is just going to make it easier to screw this whole system. And that's why I feel, you know, that there's definitely something afoot. I don't I don't think, for example, anybody believed for a moment that Joe Biden had a prayer of beating Donald Trump. He's the least electable person they could have put on the ticket. Um, I honestly feel that they're, they have every intention of just stealing this election, you know, and I, that's as bad as that sounds.
1: Biden Biden probably won't even be with us when the time comes. He is not in good health, whether it's dementia or brain tumor or something. It's clear that he is a propped up. Wag the dog was the movie where they manufacture through the media and Hollywood, a candidate. That's Joe Biden. He's a straw man for the people that really want to be in control. I don't know whether he'll make it to November. He's never going to leave this country. They know that. I've said for some time now, Joe Biden is not mentally uh, well. Kamala Harris is not qualified. She drives away more African-Americans than she could bring in. This is not about an election. I think you're right. Now, I would urge you to go vote, though, because I think the right to vote is the most valuable right we have because that's the voice of the people. If they screw around and try to – I've always said if every registered voter would go vote, there could be no election fraud because the numbers wouldn't work. We haven't had enough people voting. I suspect this year we're going to have a record turnout, and people may have to put their lives at risk to maintain their freedom – By going to the polls and voting in person, it's going to be that important. And I think there's going to be a lot of things that happen over the next month that are going to try to scare people to keep them home so they can pull off an election fraud. If people put their lives at risk, just like they did when they founded this country, this country will sustain itself. It'll continue under the Constitution. If they all stay at home, they'll steal this election and they'll steal our form of government.
0: Well, um and I would say, you know, I I wouldn't discourage anyone else from voting and I, I could understand why they would. I I kind of came to myself in a position where I'm in a crisis of there's just nobody I could cast my ballot for. I I know I, I'm not, you know, hyped on any of the candidates that are available to me. And unfortunately, I think that's also kind of part of it is that they want to turn us off so much, you know, from the system that we turn our backs on it. I've never not voted since I was 18, but regardless, um so do this, we've done do a lot this. of let me,
1: let me let me give let me, give, let me some yeah, i'll give you some free non-legal advice you ready <laughs> okay go, go ahead <laughs> right go vote and write in the name of the person that you believe should be president you're a bernie sanders supporter yeah I'm a donald trump supporter go right. write in bernie sanders exercise your right your voice is one voice but the voices of the masses will speak what if a a majority of the people ended up doing what you did, voted for Sanders. He would win. and be the voice of the people. It's not rigged in favor of the person that gets written in, but at least you will know that you went and you cast your vote for the person that you believe was most qualified. Unfortunately, we've gotten to a position where now you have two people to choose from. Even in that situation, I would say go vote for the lesser of two evils. The right to vote is the foundation of
0: our country. Well, just for your sake, I'll, I'll reconsider my previous views on it. Ah, (laughs) I'm not,
1: I'm I'm not an activist. I'm an advocate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's another word for it then. So let's get back to the main topic of, you know, I think we, we spent a good amount of time kind of getting to know each other on the air for the sake of the audience and that kind of gives them an idea of who we both are. You know, I think that I would, I would cap off our political perspective by saying that, um, During my time as an activist, two of the most prevalent politicians in Congress that I followed was Congressman Dennis Kucinich and Congressman Ron Paul, and that ironically, the two of them were actually usually um, strong, staunch allies against the establishment, and they were completely from different sides of the aisle, but they were unified in their respect for the Constitution and it was ironic that they had to, you know, that they had to work together frequently against their own parties, particularly when they were arguing against the Patriot Act or the Iraq War. Um, and, you know, so to, what needs to be said to people on the right and to the left is that we're going to need to. And what did Kucinich say at one point? Because people asked him because he was considering if he had been nominated that he might ask Congressman Paul to be his running mate. Was that the eagle, you know, in, it needs two wings to fly. We need to create a situation where the people who are reasonable on the right and the left can work together towards the betterment of the country. And unfortunately, that has been lost. And I feel it's almost by design that they want to set each other's throats. You know, that, that's, you know, there are, for example, people who support Bernie Sanders who do not support full on communism. There are also people on the right plenty of them that are not fascists, but we have been conditioned to fight each other to believe that, you know, if you move anywhere to the left, you're a full-on, you know, Stalinist communist, and there have been people who have been conditioned on the right to feel the same, you know, there's, it's vice versa, essentially. And um, I also, before I get back off of this and, and onto the Kyle Rittenhouse subject, have you ever noticed how our politics are packaged? So, for example, oh, yeah. I'm pro-gun rights. I'm pro gun rights, but I'm also pro health care. Where, where the hell do I fit? Oh no, you, know,
1: you can't. Listen, there's no way in the world the media would accept the idea that you could be on those two different issues. Right, the and they have nothing in law, common. The fact, is many many people are. You can right. have differences in what you believe in. We're more. We we all are different, but we're more alike than we are different. I would go back and I would say that the candidate. It's going to win this election, if it's a legitimate election, It's going to be a candidate, and I'm going to steal Jesse Jackson's phrase, it's going to be the candidate that puts together the Rainbow Coalition. It gets the white vote, it gets the black vote, it gets the Hispanic vote, the Latino vote, the gay vote. People of all different sizes and persuasions and lifestyles come together and form a Rainbow Coalition, That's the party of the people. America is made up of many different people, all sizes, shapes, and colors. So while Jesse Jackson's politics might be on the face of it different than mine, the idea that he had was right. And if you look at what's happening, I believe beyond the lies of the media, Donald Trump is putting together that coalition.
0: I'd also say, and this is something else that's kind of screaming at me because i worked for Senator Gravel, and he was very anti-military industrial complex. You, know, you saw the way that they squelched Tulsi Gabbard, even though I've met a lot of people on both sides of the aisle that said they would have voted for her. The media went after her, because they don't like anybody who talks bad about their wars. And so I worked briefly for the committee, the exploratory committee for Jesse Ventura, because he was considering running. And one of the things that he said was that he had opposed Donald Trump and he wanted to run against him. But one thing that he had to give him credit for was that he did not get us into any more wars. And that was not part of the plan as far as the establishment Democrats or Republicans were concerned. I feel if Hillary Clinton had won, she would have invaded Syria. Um, I feel that now we this is the the canary in the coal mine for me, was like the final straw, was that George Bush, Dick Cheney, Karl Rove, and all of the people who brought us the Iraq War formed a super PAC to help Joe Biden against Donald Trump. As soon as I heard those words, basically all those names come together in support of Joe Biden, you know, red flags went off in my mind, and I was immediately taken back to The Iraq war. Joe Biden voted for the Iraq war um, has always been a military industrial complex crony, as Mike Gravel would have pointed out, Um, you know, and I don't believe for a moment that if George Bush, Dick Cheney and all of them as Republicans are turning on Donald Trump to support Joe Biden, that they're not getting something out of it. I guarantee you they're getting something out of it. And get, my son I will be draft it, age right. in a few years, and I'd rather he doesn't get killed in Iran, you know, um, fighting for somebody's oil. You know, that and that's what I think they want. I, I think that's exactly and what. what is, and, and, that's why when and, people on the left try what, to tell me is, I got to vote for Joe Biden, I'm like, it's not happening. What
1: is what has Trump done? He's made us energy independent. We don't have to go fight and lose our our, our young uh, Americans over oil. Right. Think about it. I'll say one yeah. thing. So you and, I, you, and I, you and I speak truth. I hear you. I like it, even if we have differences of opinion in certain areas. Sure. So let's make a pack meal. If, if this broadcast goes out and gets enough viewers and people know that you speak truth and I speak truth, if either one of us shows up allegedly committing suicide, make damn sure. I'll make sure yours is investigated and you make sure I'm investigated, okay? Because they don't want people to hear the truth.
0: You got it. Or work
1: together. They don't want people telling the truth to each other and working together to iron out civilly their differences. Remember, we're all different, but we're more alike well, than we are different.
0: And the people who are the really elite, the deep state types who, who live really wealthy, nothing terrifies them more than the idea of groups like the Occupy movement and the Tea Party working together poor white people and poor black people and poor Hispanic people to recognize that they actually have more in common than they don't is something that terrifies the deep state types. And, you know, that's, I think, a a lesson that I hope that everybody takes away from this broadcast is that we have to be able to disagree on certain things and still be, you know, civil at the end of it and not just become savages because we have differences of opinion, you know, so, now, wrapping all of that up, again, coming back to the main topic, we get back to Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, so we're now in a situation where this young man was forced to defend himself. And, you know, I watched countless video. I mean, I had to pour over hours and hours and hours of video to put together just the stuff that I put in that video. And that was an hour unto itself, you know. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about the medical stuff i mean the guy i mean the kid by the time i was done listening to all that video it's like i could still hear him in the back of my head saying does anybody need medical because you hear it like in like in so many clips like you know whether it's a little piece here on somebody's phone or a little piece there on facebook or a little piece here on twitter he said it constantly and, I, you know, it was as honestly, I think he was more interested in giving people, people medical attention than he was in guarding that business, and that's why he kept leaving was business he went there to go for. out and ask people. You know, you so see, go ahead. You saw what that you interview.
1: You showed him it, you, that's what he went there for in the main. Right. You saw that interview where he said, I, I got a rifle here and I may be going to harm's way, but then he held up proudly his emergency first aid kit. His right. goal primarily was to help people. Let, let me and, say one last thing about Kyle Rittenhouse. Go ahead. Generally speaking, I've learned in life that I can learn more from sometimes what people don't say than what they say. What I'd like to know is where's the medical examiner's report on Rosenbaum? I'd like to know what the kill shot was. I got a suspicion the kill shot was not Kyle's gun, his bullet. I think it was what hit Rosenbaum in the back. I don't think Kyle... Rittenhouse could have shot him in the back Based on how that occurred Why hasn't the medical examiner Released that report And said oh it was Kyle's bullet That killed him I have a feeling it wasn't Kyle's bullet That killed Rosenbaum People in the media If they were doing their jobs Would be asking those questions They're not asking those questions Because their agenda is such They don't want the public to know the truth When the dust settles and we look back over why this happened and who did what and who was behind it, it's going to be shocking to this country. I would be demanding if I were ABC, NBC, CBS, or a local affiliate, I'd be saying, Give us the medical report. Tell us the truth. What was the ballistics test? What actually killed him? I think the truth is going to come out eventually. I'm confident that he acted in self defense, and I have a high degree of confidence that it wasn't even Kyle Rittenhouse's bullet that killed Mr. Rosenbaum.
0: And I think at the end of the day, even if he had killed him, that he would have been justified in doing so. I He's mean, that man was absolutely. clearly a violent. You know, I wouldn't but, let but that guy see, anywhere happened? near me either.
1: No, listen, and, and, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. I've lived that way all my life as a lawyer. Rosenbaum got shot in the crotch, and Rosenbaum had attacked several young girls.
0: Boys. Yes, young boys. One
1: guy one guy gets his arm near well blown off his arm robbery. The other guy got right. shot in the chest, he tried to suffocate somebody. Kyle Rittenhouse was sure enough an excellent shot at seventeen under extreme circumstances. Kyle Rittenhouse didn't know those boys' criminal records. So maybe, maybe that my faith would tell me there was a higher power at work that night. And that maybe Kyle Rittenhouse's situation was a wake-up call to America to get ready to defend yourself. Just like Nicholas Sandman's incident was a wake-up call to America, don't believe the media.
0: The media has definitely gotten way out of control. Um, And there are uh, documentaries that I would advise people to check out, like Psywar, meaning P-S-Y-W-A-R. It's free to watch online. A uh, man made it who did a very good job of, I um, mean, gives it away completely for free. He's never charged anybody for a copy of it, but it's about how the media controls our perception, you know, and I, I unfortunately feel that social media now has become even more dangerous in a lot of ways, which is really too bad because, you know, the internet we used to think was our great liberator and, and it is still in a lot of ways. I mean, we wouldn't even be able to have this conversation if it wasn't for the internet. But on the same token, people need to learn how to critically think again. They need to learn how to think for themselves. You know, I think that's one of the things that puts the leftists that I argue with off the most about me is that when they threaten to call me a racist or a fascist, I just laugh at them. They don't have any answer after that because they're accustomed to be able to get people to submit to them by making those kinds of ridiculous accusations. And when I don't, because, you know, I have a great relationship with the people of color in my life, with the gay people in my life. I don't, you know, they're not the arbiters of that. They're not going to affect my life, you know, with those people in any way, you know. And they're, that's what they're, but that's their weapon. You know, if they can't get you to just, you know, to shut up, then they're going to try to go after re- your reputation. They're going to try to go after, you know, you. are to and, try to,
1: to, to attack your credibility for reasons that are not the, the the facts.
0: Right. Gonna, they're going
1: to attack your your credibility based on your uh, what they perceive to be your political beliefs and not who you necessarily are as a person
0: Well, and also not like the, the facts of the conversation is, exactly. they're going to distract away. Said,
1: yeah, go ahead. you have said two or three you have said two or three times, Neil, that people ought to think for themselves. You and I agree a hundred percent on that. I believe that if you try to do a some total description of what our lives are, there are a series of conversations. We need to have conversations with a curious mind. If we're talking to somebody and they don't know what in the heck they're talking about, move on to the next conversation. You'll learn nothing from that person. If they're profane and they're insulting, move on to the next conversation. You'll learn nothing from those people. But if two people are informed and they both approach a conversation with a curious mind, they'll come to learn things that are positive about each other and themselves. We need to have more informed conversations. We need to have more curious minds. We need to think for ourselves. We need to learn the facts, apply logic, apply good old common sense. We wouldn't be played if we did that.
0: And that's that's definitely at the core of what I feel needs to protect our freedom. One of my other mentors was a man named Jacques Fresco. He, was, he lived to be over 100 years old. He was alive during the Great Depression and um, anyway, he, he pointed out fascism or totalitarianism, the best way to do it is to understand critical thinking, study the logical fallacies like ad hominem, you know, like they point out, you know, they, they try to distract from the facts of the situation by attacking you. They try to distract the audience from the facts of the argument you're making by attacking you in ways that are often not in any way relative whatsoever to what you're discussing. There's all kinds of different logical fallacies. Ad hominem is the most common. Go ahead. If, if you can't attack the
1: message, you attack the messenger. That's right. what's going on in our country right now. If the right. message is logical, it makes sense, it's good, and it doesn't—it isn't what you want, you attack the messenger. As I've risen in some stature publicly. I'm starting to get attacked. They're trying to tell me I'm a conspiracy theorist. They're telling me I'm QAnon. They're telling me I'm a racist or an anti-Semite. I'm none of those things. They can't attack my message, so they're trying to attack me. But I'll be able to successfully defend myself against any attack because I will defend it with truth. Truth will always prevail in the final analysis.
0: That's what I would hope for. And I think that anybody that has to rely on censorship or has to rely on censorship, whether it just be by getting people to be afraid to speak or pulling fire alarms because there's somebody coming to your college you don't agree with, you know, if their position is defensible, then they should be able to get down, you know, into the thick of things and to be able to discuss it openly, you know, and intelligently. And unfortunately, that's, that's not the way of things anymore. It's about shouting people down. It's about lying about them. It's about spreading lies and repeating lies. That's something that's ironic about when I discuss this Rittenhouse issue or the Reinhold issue or, you know, is that they just they say stuff that's so not true. um, And then they just repeat it over and over again. And, And whose playbook does that come from? Well, ironically, that's from the Nazis. Um, I think his name was Goebbels, was the the propaganda minister for Adolf Hitler, who said, repeat the lie often enough and it becomes truth. You know, and so they say things like Kyle openly fired into the crowd. I'm like, no, that's that's a lie. That's not even remotely true, not even a little true. Or they say things that are not in any way provable, like he went there to hurt people. Like you can't read his mind aside from the fact that there isn't there's zero evidence of that. But, and if you speak openly about the truth of it, that's one of the biggest things about this documentary that when people try to, nobody's really attacking what I said. They're not really attacking the the information. You know, the, the the one thing that they can cling on to is they'll say that they personally don't feel he should have been there in the first place. And I said, okay, so we're talking about a context of a riot. Nobody should have been there in the first place. Everybody (laughs) there was breaking the law. I'm like, Okay, if that's well, every, what it's everybody, about, everybody, you're concerned about who's there illegally, how about the people who are trying to burn and break everything? Yeah, well, you know, if you could look at it and say everybody ought to mind their own business.
1: Some people were there because they were up to no good. Other people were there because they had certain beliefs. Other people sure. were there because they wanted to help other people. So, it, look, it, 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 it's, it's the world we live in. If I could plug one thing, maybe four things, your <laughs> documentary needs to be seen. The efforts to censor it, my efforts to get it out, we need to overcome it. People need to see the documentary we did on Kyle Rittenhouse, not just to learn about Kyle, but to learn more about the bigger picture in which the Kyle Rittenhouse incident occurred. I would also urge that people go look and find the censored documentary called Plandemic. A man named Mickey Willis did it. I work with Mickey. He is a good man. He tells the truth. He documents it carefully. We also did another documentary called Indoctrination. They tried to censor it. They weren't successful completely. There was another documentary I saw, Shadowgate, that talks about, in effect, the special operations that is undertaken now in the private sector that used to be done in the government sector only, use of artificial intelligence. People need to see those four documentaries, and they will get truth that hopefully— will open up their eyes to what's going on in this country today.
0: Let me add to the list then. Um, I mentioned Cywar. Um, That same fellow does um, a bunch of other documentaries on the topics of the way that the government has controlled people. You brought up the CIA. Um, He does another one that's specifically about the mind control strategies of the CIA, And he, the thing about his work is that he mostly relies on declassified documents. And there are things that the CIA admits that they did that they claim that they don't do anymore. And he puts pictures up, for example, of um, Abu Ghraib prison and the different things that they did to the prisoners from Iraq and Afghanistan that are very clearly mind control strategies that were supposedly things that they had ceased to do before. There's, you know, so, but definitely look at it. One thing and the other thing I would say is it's important for people right now is that find people that you don't agree with entirely and listen to what they have to say as well. You know, find people who are independent thinking because, you know, like one of my favorite shows right now is called rising and you have crystal ball and uh, her partner's name is Sagar. I'm not going to be able to pronounce his last name, but, Sagger is a populist Republican, meaning he cares about the people. and Crystal is a progressive Democrat. And they both analyze the news, and they both do it in such a way that, that has you know, a twist from their perspective. And it's ironic how much they agree on, considering they do not come from the same party background. There are still things that they do disagree on. Um, but the point is find news outlets that are like that. Find people who maybe you don't agree with everything. So for example, I listen to Tim Poole. Tim pulls a little further to the right than me, but I, don't, I still listen to what he says. I don't agree with everything he says, you know, but you should be able to entertain that. You should be able to listen to that. That's another thing. I think it's part of the reason why we're becoming so easy to control is that we've surrounded ourselves in these echo chambers where we're only listening to everything that we already believed in the first place. If your beliefs are sac, you know, sacrosanct, it's like, you know, basically if they're in, you know, they're so cement, you know, so. I guess, steal hard, you know, that they, you know, that, you know, you're right, then you should be able to handle some, you know, exposure to outside ideas and still come away from that feeling the way that you did before. The only thing that you have to risk is to, you know, is to become more aware than you were before. And that's why I wish more people would do it because, you know, that's one of the things I said to people, for example, like I had a bunch of people reacting to my documentary because I, I point out that I, voted for Bernie Sanders, There were right-leaning people who just turned it off as soon as I said that. I'm like, you understood why I said that. I said that because I have a bunch of left-leaning people telling me that I must obviously be a Trump supporter, you know, MAGA hot wearing fascist because I dared to suggest that Kyle Rittenhouse was innocent. And And my message to say that I voted for Bernie Sanders was to point out to the left, like, no, I'm not on the right. And I still think the kid is innocent. And the fact that he happens to be you know, or at least in your version of things, you know, representative of the right does not make him guilty of murder, period. You know, and, and if hey, that's,
1: he had on, he, he had on, on a white cap, he didn't he didn't have on a red cap. That the red cap that, that Nicholas Salmon bought as a souvenir is what got him labeled as somebody at 16 that was a deplorable, that was worthy of being attacked by the media. If right. they could Photoshop the Kyle Rittenhouse incident, they'd have put a MAGA cap on the kid instead of the
0: white cap. Well, and what did he do? That's the other thing is like I start my video with him giving medical attention to Black Lives Matter protesters. You know, if there was any kind of evidence you needed, the guy's not a white supremacist. The guy's not a racist. You know, and like you said, we can't even prove whether or not he's a Republican. And even if he was, it wouldn't make any difference to me. But regardless, you know, we got to get past the point that just because he, that is the other thing is like we talked about that is that, you know, I pointed out is that people are like, okay, so you think that Kyle Rittenhouse was a bad person, so therefore automatically anybody he shot must therefore have been a good person. That, that's the way that they've stretched reality around this situation is to suggest well, that, that
1: like. Point home to the present day, Donald Trump has been
0: accused of being a
1: racist for four years.
0: Right. Look at the
1: fact. Look at the fact. Look at the history of his life. He was applauded and recognized by the African-American, by the black community. Talk to Herschel Walker. He's a Georgia guy. We love him. Herschel Walker will tell you, ain't a racist bone in Donald Trump's body. But they're trying to make that case against the president and, in effect, trying to turn truth into a lie. They're attacking people not based on the facts they're attacking them based on their agenda they don't like the message they attack the messenger be very suspect of someone that cannot address you on the merits of the facts
0: absolutely you know and honestly i can say that you know and this is a controversial point to people on the left i didn't vote for donald trump and i don't plan to vote for him this time i don't actually believe the guy is racist but it's, it's so hard to navigate right now any kind of negativity because that's one of the things I've said to friends of mine is that there are things that I don't agree with that Donald Trump did. But I can't even have a conversation about Donald Trump because they, people lie mm-hmm. about him so much that you can't, con, you can't converse even in an honest way about anything that you might object to that he had done because they just it, make stuff up about him all the time. Remember what
1: I said earlier, if if something's complicated, it's hard to understand, and it's hard to know what to do. If you throw a 100 accusations at Trump, it makes it harder for people to figure out where the truth is. If it was just one, he's a racist. People could go back and look at his factual history, make an informed decision of whether he was a racist or not. So they're trying to overwhelm people by the number of accusations they throw at you. I go back to to my last – I go back and, and give you my last bit of wisdom for what it's worth. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. People need to get informed. They don't need to accept at face value what they're hearing on the media, what they're seeing on social media. They need to go do their own homework. That's how you learn the lesson that you are being taught. That's the way we did it in grammar school, I called it elementary school others called it high school we did our own homework we dug in we found it out ourselves we didn't just blindly believe what we were being told people need to do their homework
0: i would agree with you there mr wood i would agree with you there um this has been a great conversation i hope we can have another one for sure um and you know i guess now we're in a situation where Kyle is. Um, they're they're basically working to not get him. Basically, they don't want him to be extradited. Um, is there any well, like? Yeah. Ev- go go ahead.
1: Well, I mean, he's going to be extradited at some point in time. But there, maybe I'll say maybe. I'm I'm not a criminal lawyer expert, but I know the overall strategy because I'm the overall lawyer for him. There are some issues that might. Uh, come into play that would prevent the judge in Illinois from extraditing Kyle. What I will say about Kyle is let's see where things are in a month or two. We may be in a different factual situation at that time. People have been saying, well, two months ago the polls said this about Trump and Biden. I would look over and say, let's see what the factual situation is on November the 2nd. And then let's find out, because it may be, 180 degrees different than it is right now. Same thing's true with trial, with Kyle. Maybe he'll get extradited. Maybe he won't. I do not believe that under any presentation of the truth that Kyle Rittenhouse will ever go before a jury. There's no probable cause. If a legitimate grand jury looks at it, they will never indict this boy. They'll set him free. He's innocent. He was defending himself
0: i hope you're right because that would be the only other concern i had is that right now they're they're basically bending to the will of the mob that's what i'd be worried about is that that rioters veto i was talking about um and i I hope the
1: prosecutors in wisconsin better be worried about the lynn wood non-veto because i will (laughs) sue those people bringing a political prosecution and violating this boy's constitutional rights there will be accountability for what was done to kyle just like there's going to be accountability for what Joe Biden's campaign did to Kyle Rittenhouse today with their false campaign video. Painting him right. as, a, as a racist or as a white supremacist militia come there to shoot. I got Joe Biden on the run. If it's necessary, remember I said I represented Rich Jewell for 16 years and the Ramses for 22? Right. I don't give up easy. Prosecutors in Wisconsin are on notice when the time comes. They are playing around and violating this boy's constitutional rights. They got him in, in jail for their own political agendas. If our system of government still exists as it does uh, today, in two or three months, I'll be knocking on their door. There'll be accountability for long doing.
0: Oh, I hope you're successful because I really hate that they're they're playing with people's lives right now. You know, and they're playing I, with I, our lives. Too. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're playing with our
1: lives, because if they can do it to Kyle Rittenhouse, Neil, they can do it to you, they can do it to me. Absolutely. They're playing with everybody's lives. I enjoyed speaking with you, and I would be more than uh, happy to speak with you again at any time. I respect you for following the truth, whatever your political persuasions are. You told the truth in your documentary. People need truth. Thanks for giving them some.
0: You got it, Mr. Wood. Thank you very much. And, um, if you have the opportunity, uh, I did provide my cell phone number. If you could call me briefly off the air, I would appreciate it whenever you have time, preferably soon, (laughs) even tonight, but I promise it won't take that long. Um, to those of you who tuned in tonight, thank you very much for checking out V radio. Um, I'm going to re upload this same podcast to, uh, YouTube and many other outlets. You can find it on iTunes. Um, You know, as I said before, I do have Subscribestar. It's not fully set up, and I do have Patreon, but that's not really my motive right now. Um, But do check out my archives. Again, I can't promise that you'll agree with everything I say, especially if you're a conservative, you know, but you will probably find things that you do agree with. And you'll find guests that I've had on who don't agree with me. I had a lot of libertarians on my show recently, for example, because I was doing a third party series. Um, I'm going to continue to work on the Kyle Rittenhouse issue. You'll also probably enjoy my video about uh, Michael Reinhold's murder of Jay Danielson. Um, I've done some other work recently kind of getting to the history of Antifa and its relationship with our political activism, although we didn't call it Antifa in Occupy. We called it Black Bloc, but it's the exact same people with the exact same tactics um, and the exact same agenda, I guess would be what I would say. If there's anything that you would like me to cover or any guests that you would like me to bring on, you know, I'd be happy to do so. Just reach out. Um, my podcast and my show at one time were a way that I used to help pay my bills. I don't do that anymore. At this point, I only do this because of my interest in the truth um, and getting the truth out there. So, you know, share my podcast, even if, you know, as again, you know, even if you don't think it would be important, it is because of the way the algorithms work for Google and, and um, Facebook People who tell the truth, unfortunately, frequently are utterly reliant on the listeners, like you, to share our information, and by word of mouth, that's how we're going to get out there. Because we don't live in a situation anymore where the internet is free. It's just they don't ban you. They they do what they call shadow banning, where they just kind of do little subtle things to prevent people from seeing your videos or you know or listening to your shows. So, you know, share everybody who you think is a valuable third-party independent activist, because the likelihood is, unless you're going to share that link, other people are not going to get exposed to that information. I want to thank you again, Mr. Wood. Like I said, um, you know, please consider giving me a call. I'd like to talk to you briefly off the air. And um, thank you, everybody, to tune in, who tuned in. And um, I'm going to be working on more shows and more content going forward. And, you know, again... Think for yourself, you know, do not surrender your mind. Whether you feel that you're on the right or on the left, I guarantee you there are things that you could learn from the other side, but there are people who want us opposing each other. They want us fighting each other and it's to their benefit. It's not to ours. Thanks again.